The economy is getting back underway, and with it, the world of pro sports. Stay ahead of the curve with the unparalleled tools of two world-class news desks covering developments across finance, economics, technology, and sports. Subscribe to Bloomberg.com, and if you're not already an athletic subscriber, for a limited time, receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. Go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gildas Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robertson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We are part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The playoffs start this week. And today we've got a megapod. We have first we got Zach Harper. Then we have Eric Horn, Sam Amick. And to end, we have Lee Ellis on the show. First, we've got to have the Down to Dunk boys on here. I've got the L-Man. Hoop, hoop, hoop. I've got Taylor. Saving the best for first. That's right. And I've got Alex Spears. What's up? So glad you guys could join here on a Sunday. I don't we haven't done very many Sunday records in the, the lifetime of Down to Dunk, but here we are. Uh, I thought we we gotta get our picks out there. This series starts on Tuesday night. Uh, no Russell Westbrook for game one, which is uh, disappointing on some levels and maybe not disappointing at all for some, but uh, is a huge factor. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is back and played in the game on Friday that no one cared about. And Lou Dort is progressing. He's still day-to-day, but they're happy with his progress. My guess is that he plays at least at some point during the series. Uh, but we'll start with Taylor. Taylor, what are your thoughts on the series? And then give me your pick um well as has been documented i was getting stressed out thinking about this it's just going to be too emotional it's still going to be pretty emotional but it really helps me that russ is out so i'm thankful for russ um being out and i'm taking okc in seven i think it's still going seven okay what makes you favor OKC? Well, I just don't think um, without Russ, I just and with Harden on the bench, I don't. I just don't think they'll be able to keep up with what we're doing on offense because we're going to have at least one of SGA, Chris Paul, or Schroeder on the uh, on the floor. And Alex uh, RT'd this thing that's been going around Twitter about Schroeder's on-off stats, and those just gave me some supreme confidence that. Um, that now is just making me completely illogical and unreasonable about my thoughts of what this Thunder team can do. So, you know, I'll make change you, it to OKC in six. That didn't make <laughs> you more stressed? No. Why did it make me stress? Because it just realized that, like, without Schroeder, this team is just completely average. Well, based they on, have Schroeder. On yeah, no, I know, but I was just surprised by that. But yeah, I mean, I was definitely Chris surprised. Paul's on the court and Schroeder's not. They're below. They have a negative net rating. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I was also surprised by the massive positive effect Schroeder has on this team, but Schroeder's on the team, so I'm that's cool, baby. They're also going to be playing Schroeder more. Oh yeah, because so so you got to think that they're going to be better for more often. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like any of those Ferguson lineups to start games were all negative. Like they were just not good at all. And so that. Uh, guess what we're going to get in this series? Guess what the starting lineup on Tuesday night's going to be? Oh, God. What? <laughs> I don't. I mean, I. It's I, going to be Terrence Ferguson. It could yeah. be. It could be. It certainly could be. I've, I mean, was the were the last couple games not kind of that sign? Like, yeah. man, we got we to get Ferguson minutes because we're going to need him. That's the feeling I got, and then I cried. I got the feeling that, well, oh, Dort's not here? Well, I'm just reverting back to what I would yeah. always do previously, and there is Ferguson. Yeah. I I honestly don't know what they're going to do. I think it'll be interesting. I mean, there's a chance Dort plays Tuesday. I mean, I wouldn't – I don't think that's out of the question. So, Don't you think it's weird that even if they knew Russ was going to be out, that they didn't wait until closer to game time. Like, it, what's it, the benefit of ruling him out 48 hours before game one? I don't know. It must be pretty bad. That's all I can think, too. Setting up excuses like they always do. Yeah. Setting up how unfair it is for the Rockets every single year. <laughs> something out of their control happens. Yeah. I just don't know what they're going to do without Russ. Like, if Harden has a bad game, what, Eric Gordon? He's been awful. Austin, you need another 40-point game out of Austin Rivers? Mm-hmm. You oh, know? I mean, you, you definitely need MVP-level James Harden in every win. Every game, yeah. But, like, I, I don't know. Can you... I don't know. It's not going to happen every game. It's not, but it doesn't have to. No, yeah. Only has happened four times. Well, guys, I'm nervous about it. I'm very nervous. So, and I'm also nervous about jinxing the team by picking him. So, this is what I'm going to say Rockets in four. <laughs> this is just like only for reverse jinxing purposes. Yes. That's good, though. I appreciate I that. I like that. We need, I, we need a little I bit cannot, of energy. I cannot. I'm just so nervous. I think that this Russ thing is a is a feign. He's actually going to play. He's actually um, <laughs> super healthy. Oh, <laughs> wow! And so it's his not, quad is better than ever. He's actually, yeah, he actually is super healthy. And so it, I'm I'm scared and I'm very worried about it, but I'm very excited as well. Oh man! Hey, uh, Terrence Ferguson in the the game in OKC against Houston was a plus twenty three. So, there's that. Okay, that's one thing. Right. <laughs> no one, hey, and, and, uh, no one also, likes uh, that or is impressed by that at all. <laughs> no. Nope. 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 You know, the last time I was impressed by Ferg Mm-mm. was when he had twenty three points against the Lakers. His like oh freaking rookie year. That was so long. Was that December 2017? That was... Or 2018. Was it that long? Surely not 17. Was it? Maybe it was 17, 18 season. How many many times did he score in double figures this season? Do you have the number? Mm Mm-hmm. One? Um, I would guess eight. 
Elman? I'm going to say six. Uh, the number seven. You guys are just dancing oh. around it. Ooh. Me and the Elman going for a little dance. On uh, <laughs> November 15th against the Sixers, he had 19 points. Yeah. On five of seven from three. That just doesn't seem like it was. it's even possible that that happened this year, right? It just doesn't oh. feel right at all. Oh, boy. Oh, 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 <laughs> did you guys see, uh, did you guys see McKellie's text? Yes. Andy? Mm-mm. And, and Jay's, did you mention Jay's pick? What did Jay say? Oh, okay. Well, McKellie said, um, Rockets in six. Without Russ, that is just like, I don't know. And Jay said Rockets in seven. Yeah, that's pretty wild. How many times did Ferg score zero points? Are you counting games he didn't play in? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, I, how uh, many games did he play? Yeah, that would be helpful as well. Um, hold on a second. And then also, how many games did he play in that he only scored zero? <laughs> <laughs> so this season, he played 56 games. Okay, 56. I'm going to go... 17 i'm gonna go 12 i'm gonna go tw- i'm gonna go 20 dancing around it again 18 games zero points oh, so i'm, off I'm again. surprised he played in in 56 games i have no i have no recollection of any ferg play this year yeah anyways i don't know why this preview is so heavily <laughs> tilted towards terrence ferguson <laughs> well we're mentally preparing <laughs> mentally preparing i don't know how much he'll actually play if he does start i, I think that it is gonna we're gonna see a ton of three guard lineup which has been one of the best lineups in the nba uh i th- i think that that will be the primary lineup that's played in this series which should be encouraging to thunder fans because they didn't use it a ton during the regular season they could have used it a lot more so to me i think that's encouraging i i do wonder about Steven Adams and what his role can be. And if he can move like he had been before he got hurt in the bubble, then to me, I, f- I feel very confident in, in him and in this team. Uh, just because if he can hold his own against whoever he's having to guard, and if he can grab 17 boards in a game, then to me, he's going to be extremely helpful to this team. And he's, he, if he can play, if he can stay on the court, he'll be a part of wearing guys out like P.J. Tucker and Robert Covington who are trying to keep him off the boards, who are trying to battle with him. Uh, and so to me, that, that will be very helpful for OKC. So, uh, Alex, did you give your pick yet? No. Do, uh, do I have to? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you do. Uh I mean the the other thing the the other stat that's been bothering me. First of all, wouldn't it be nice to be playing the Jazz? Ed Davis out for the series. Yeah. Mike Conley home with his newborn baby. Oh God. That's just the kind of series that OKC loses though. Old old OKC. Yeah. That's true. <sighs> Anyways, uh, the stat that has been bothering me is. Um, and and you, I think you heard it on Zach Lowe and then some Rockets. It might have been Kelly Iko or something. But they were talking about how Chris Paul's 
offensive game is going to dramatically change when he's going up against a small lineup all the time because he most of or a lot of his success is switching on to bigs and then doing something mm-hmm. usually like hitting mid-rangers or whatever mm-hmm. but when he's being but when the defense he's facing is going to be switching every single time it's going to be dramatically different than the majority of defenses he's seen and what is he going to do in response and there were some stats looking at his pick and roll numbers against like centers versus guards and his pick and roll numbers significantly decrease when he's facing guards as opposed mm-hmm. to centers. So I'm, I've decided that's the thing I'm going to be worried about. <laughs> Needed to have anxiety <laughs> about something. And uh, so that's what I'm worried about. And then I saw that stat about Schroeder and I was like, wait, the Chris Paul lineups are a net negative without Schroeder. So now I'm just terrified that we're going to get like blown out in the first five minutes of game one. <laughs> I mean, um, I know that I, I know that Chris Paul is, this is a different team that Chris Paul's on than when he was on the Rockets playing the Warriors, but he was playing the Warriors. The Warriors weren't playing traditional bigs and he had pretty good success against them. I know that this is a way different offense than that Rockets offense, but Chris Paul can, I don't know. He might be able to adjust in a way that's productive still with Gallo and SGA and Schroeder on the team. I'm just sure he will. We just haven't seen it, so I just don't know what yeah. to expect. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I uh, am still feeling relatively confident overall. And so I think I'm going to go Thunder in seven. Yeah. Debbie's back. <laughs> Debbie's back. Yeah. Debbie's back. Yeah. Se- I mean, a seven-game series is a very stressful, a very stressful series. Yeah, I, I honestly don't even want, didn't want to pick it for that reason alone. Like, do I really want to watch seven games of this? That would be torture. <laughs> it's going to be so stressful. And I, 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 I don't know, I don't know how you guys feel about this. I feel like all these games are going to be close too. Yeah. Because one, almost every single Rockets game in the bubble was like a two to four point game. Yeah. Um, they their their defense hasn't been great, and so they've just been it's just been like up and down, you know, 130 to 134 for almost every game. And it'll be interesting to see if that carries over into the playoffs at all. And if it does, that will just be another reason to torture ourselves. I mean, if we're gonna lose, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm so stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to? I thought you weren't stressed out, but now you are. When Russ went out, it made it more stressful. Yeah, it did. Do you just know too much now? No, because I actually thought that the way they could take advantage of Russ was like a huge piece of this series. Yeah. Um, Like the fact that they knew so much about Russ, they would know how to guard him, they'd know how to bait him into taking bad shots. You remove him, and it's just like MVP James Harden surrounded by four shooters at all time. And that's honestly a little bit more scary to me. Because I, f- I, I don't exactly know how you... You can't really defend it. Eventually, you're going to leave one or two of those guys with wide-open threes a lot of times down the court. Whereas with Russ, I felt like the pathway to a really good defense that would screw them up was a little bit more obvious. So yeah, it does seem counterintuitive. But yeah, when Russ went out, I, I'm actually more scared. I do, I do want ahead, when Russ comes back, if he comes back during the series... Um, I'm very much looking forward to him trying to play uh, hero ball and just jacking up like the illest advised three pointers 
of his career like we know he can do mm-hmm. i really i really want to be on the other end of that where i'm loving every time he does that and like looking forward to that i think that would be fun yeah. well that's the thing like if i almost think that a no rust team is more of a threat than Russ at less than 100% coming back. You know, if Russ is 100%, that's different. But quad injuries can linger, and they can affect how you play, especially if you're a super explosive point guard who uses your quads to sprint to the basket from the three-point line, play after play after play. And so if Russ came back and is less than 100%, and maybe he's just not feeling great about his quad, he may be more likely to take those types of contested shots. Um, so I would almost prefer him coming back as opposed to uh, having to face this James Harden team. So do you uh, do you think the Rockets, without Russ, if they're thinking like, okay, it's just a James Harden-led team, do you think maybe they're wishing they had like a Capella type to run pick and roll with Harden now? Well, let, let me let me read you guys a stat real quick that might make you feel better about Russ not playing and then also Capella. Of the 10 best five-man lineups that the Rockets have played this year that have played at least 50 minutes together, only one of them doesn't include Capella and Westbrook. Only one. All the other ones, all the top 10 lineups that have played that have the best net rating for this team all include Westbrook or Capella. Like, it makes sense because even when Chris Paul was on those teams, when Chris was off the court... It was heavy pick and roll with Capella Harden, and then Harden either lobbing to Capella or passing out to a shooter when defense collapses in. And now it's going to be kind of stagnant, I think, and and a lot of Harden ISO, like a lot. Oh, it'll be super stagnant, but that offense can still be very efficient. Yeah, just no options. Yeah, I mean it's all. I mean that's what the Rockets have done, though. I guess the whole year is like we're going all in on. We don't have options. Everyone knows what we're going to do, and we'll still win. And that's why, I mean, obviously Harden playing well is important, but I I honestly feel like that's a given, like he's going to do well in the series. But Austin Rivers and Eric Gordon are the two names that I'm most interested in because Eric Gordon did not look good. He he only played two games, um, but he did not shoot the ball well. He is the one who has been, I think, um, I forgot who reported it, but He's going to be the one who's going to be on Chris Paul to start the game. Um, And Austin Rivers is really important because he's another one of these guys who can drive to the basket, similar to Eric Gordon, similar to Russell Westbrook, unlike, you know, guys like Ben McLemore and Daniel House and Covington, who are primarily just going to be shooters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think and I think the Thunder have an advantage in that they do have almost everybody on the court you have to pay attention to, which has not been a a thing for the thunder in the past and that they've is got, that true i'm just like in the three guard lineup yes in the three guard lineup yeah. yes <clears throat> because i mean houston how many guys do you actually have to pay attention to besides james harden putting their best lineup out there without russ it's not very many what do you mean by pay attention to i mean other than spot up threes like who's going to do something off the dribble right like who's going to no, make I, you I, work like that's the Thunder will make you work on the defensive end. And I think that's an advantage for OKC because they're going to be... Houston's, one, not going to play very many players. Two, these guys have to work extra hard because they're playing against bigger, stronger players. And so, to me, I think the Thunder, if they can get the advantage on the boards and if they can contest shots 
from the Rockets if they can contest threes well, then I think the Thunder have an advantage because it's not just going to be like playing a Thunder team of old where it's, okay, we know that Russ and KD are going to work and we don't. all we have to do is make sure we can test these other guys or we don't. We don't pay attention to them at all. But with the three-guard lineup, it offers something that really the Thunder have really never had. And when you have all five guys, you at least can do something with the basketball. And so, you know, I, uh, sorry to interrupt it's you. A, it's I'm okay. I'm off my game. <laughs> so okay. I, I would really like to see the Thunder put like a ton of pressure on like at the rim and put, cause if you got like, if Gallo was going to the line 10 times a game and you put one of Rob Covington or PJ Tucker in foul trouble, that is such a big deal to them at this point, you yeah. know? You get one of those guys in foul trouble in the third quarter early on, that changes everything that they do too. Mm-hmm. And we have so many guys that can get to the line and so many guys that can bait them into fouls. Yeah. And so I think that'll be so important. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'll give my pick and then we'll, we'll be done with this portion of the show. I'm going to take the Thunder in six. Wow. I just think that the Thunder, without without Westbrook for the Rockets, I, there's just not a lot of guys outside of James Harden that can put a ton of pressure on the Thunder defense. Uh, and then I just, the Thunder have a lot of options on offense, and I just believe that, that Shea can step up, which will be huge. To me, if Shea can do what we think he can do and he can step up and be a go-to scorer for the Thunder, uh, they just have a lot of options. And I know they're going to start Eric Gordon on Chris Paul, but I I don't know if they have enough wing defenders to throw at all the guys that the that OKC has. So I'm picking the uh, the Thunder in six games, and a lot of it is due to Westbrook's health. Because if Westbrook plays and he's a more disciplined version of himself, I don't know that that would be my pick. But Russ, if he, I think he'll come back in this series, and if and when he does, a hampered Russell Westbrook is maybe one of the worst guys to have on your team. Because what you want from from him is to explode to the rim and finish over guys and to be a guy that Harden kicks out to and he's just a wrecking ball and gets to the rim and scores at will and gets to the free throw line and all that. But if he can't explode to the rim, what does Russell Westbrook do? And I think that he – and you can't not play him. If he says he wants to play, you can't not play him. And so to me, I would be concerned about that if I were Houston. Um but yeah, that's my pick. That's why I think Russ could come back in game two and like we we beat them in game one. He's just like, no, I want to play. Yeah. Coming back. <laughs> no, no doubt. There's no doubt. And that and that if I were if I were on the team that he were doing that to, I would be shaken in my boots. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We've been, we've all, we have been there. We know this better than anyone else, what that looks like. This is true. Uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Uh, again, Zach Harper, Eric Horn, Sam Amick, and Lee Ellis, all of the athletic, uh, send them, send them a little note on Twitter telling them that you appreciate them coming on down to dunk. That would mean a lot to us. Also leave us a five-star review on Apple podcasts. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the show, enjoy the series, and we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. Sure, the regular season is fun and all, but only one thing can compare to the excitement of playoffs, and that is DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. Both basketball and hockey have entered their respective playoffs, 
and DraftKings is putting you in the center of the action. With millions of prizes throughout the week, there's no better way to make it rain. Start playing for free with your first deposit today. If you haven't tried it yet, daily fantasy sports are easy to play. Just draft your players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points based off your players' performance. There's no better way to put your sports knowledge to the test than to compete for millions of dollars in prizes throughout the week. But if daily fantasy isn't for you, DraftKings just launched Best Ball Contest for football season. If you aren't familiar with Best Ball, simply head to the app now and check it out. Download the DraftKings app and use the promo code RUN, that's R-U-N, to play free with your first deposit today. Compete for millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week. That's promo code RUN to get a shot at millions of dollars in prizes all week long, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Love to welcome Zach Harper from The Athletic and The Athletic NBA Show and literally almost any athletic podcast. <laughs> Zach, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, Daily Ding, Game Nodes, Point of Contention. We got, all, we got it all. Yeah, you know? you're just the, the voice of The Athletic is how I probably should have uh, introduced you. <laughs> so I don't know if they would like that, but yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't know if they would either, but uh, it's just the way that it is. Uh, we're going to talk about the spiciest first-round matchup. And maybe, yeah. I mean, I can't think of a... a sp- I mean, has there been a Spicer first-round matchup in years? I mean, like, this is just, it's almost unbelievable. Like, the storylines just write themselves with this Thunder Rockets series. Um, but let's talk about the Thunder's advantages. Where, where do the Thunder have advantages in this series? Well, okay, so that's the thing about the small ball, right? Is the small ball is supposed to be weird and stuff that it's hard to adjust to. Um, but the fact that the Rockets are going to it full-time... This is where I think you actually see Steven Adams um, get a chance to really kick some butt in in a series because it's not that I like hey post him up now and do that it's it's I would have him in on so many offensive rebounding possessions hmm. and I and I know that you know you do need to get back against the Rockets especially if when Russ comes back to the series assuming he comes back to the series. Um, I, you know, they like to really push the pace with Russ. Without Russ in the game, they don't really push the pace at all. Um, but I think because of that, you can, you know, with with Stephen Adams in there, like he can be such a, a just a brute force against PJ Tucker, who's really strong. But that's the key because then PJ Tucker and Robert Covington, those guys who have to deal with him inside, they're going to be tired in the in the fourth quarter, yeah. and they're going to be even more tired in the fourth quarter as the series goes long. And so those guys having their legs to knock down crucial jumpers, I think that's the point where I look at this and I'm like, oh man, the, this could this small ball thing could actually really backfire against the Rockets with someone like Stephen Adams because he's just he's just going to wear those guys down over the course of, of you know 35 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Where do you see the advantages for Houston? I mean, it's still look. I, I think it's I think it's lessened because of one the Russ injury and two. Uh, Andre Robertson being back, mm-hmm. I think that helps you know kind of contain a lot of that perimeter. But there is just something about this unending barrage of three point shots in perimeter scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, James Harden is going to have his work cut out for him because because they can throw Andre at him um, in this series, and and they've got a bunch of you know athletic wings and everything that they can they can trap, they can do a lot. But it's like that that math 
that that Daryl Morey imposes on this team, it does matter, right? Yeah. Like it's hilarious when they go over twenty seven in a stretch in a key playoff game and everything, but their idea is just hey, eventually this is going to catch up, right? We're going to shoot fifty to sixty of these things, and if we hit eighteen of them. 17 of them that's enough Mm -hmm. right that's enough for us to get that advantage and get the edge and that's a hard thing to deal with from a mindset of a defense of um like that is it's a taxing mental thing to have to worry about that three-point shot the way you do against against houston and then when you relax mentally against them or you get tired and fatigued mentally against them james harden just pounces yeah yeah you can't you can't be the bucks and just allow them to beat you over the head with math you just can't do that. Right, exactly. You can't you can't do that. And so, um, you know, I like a lot of the perimeter guys that the that the Thunder can throw out there, but it is still a very inexperienced perimeter, right? Defensively, I do think James Harden can take big advantage of that, especially if Andre Robertson can't play heavy minutes. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's safe to say that James Harden and Chris Paul are the two best players in the series, especially with Russ being hampered. Yeah. Who's the third best player in this series? Um, it should, it should either be Steven Adams or Shea Gilgis Alexander, right? Mm -hmm. I think it should be either of those guys. Because of the matchup, Danil Gallinari could have a huge series because PJ and Robert Covington have to concentrate so much on the interior with keeping Steven off. Um, but it also might be Robert Covington. Yeah. Like, Cove is good. Like, he's so good defensively. He's so active defensively. He has arguably the best hands in the NBA when it comes to deflections and blocks and steals. Like, he is he's spectacular with that. His timing's incredible. Um, he's a streaky shooter, so we'll see how the shooting goes. But he, I could see Covington coming out as the third best player in that series, although it should be one of the Thunder players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still I think that will be one of the bigger storylines is who who really emerges like can SGA actually emerge as the third right. best guy in this series I think it's fascinating also Eric Gordon like has a chance who's he's had a, yeah. a bad year but if he can emerge as the third best player I think that it's you have to favor the Rockets yeah I guess I don't know how healthy he's gonna be right because right? he was even he's battling that stuff in in the bubble too but um but yeah, if, if Eric Gordon is is healthy and he can be 100%, like he's a guy that is a good defender and he, we know he can score. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it I would like I guess I would like to see Shea step up in this moment. And it's only his second playoffs, right? Only his second year, yeah. but him stepping up and being able to take that on, I think that would he already has a super bright future in it and I don't know that anyone around the league who's smart is down on him in any way, sure. but I think that would show like, oh, this guy may come along faster than even we hoped after last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were a Rockets fan, how nervous would you be about what version of Russ is about to show up? Um, very. Yeah, <laughs> I would be very nervous. Uh, it's look, I you guys know from experience, like it Russ in the playoffs is is a wild card as it is, yeah. right? Like, he can be overwhelming, and he can get completely transfixed on on winning a battle with Ricky Rubio, right? right? Like, they, like, they, like the, the spectrum of Russ' attentiveness is, um, it, like, if you get him wrapped up in a one-on-one competition in a playoff series, like, you feel like you've won the mental battle, right? It may not go your way, but that's what you need to do with him. Um, and then the health concerns, but... But since they went to small ball and they almost use Russ as a center on offense, like if they get a healthy version of that, 
that's where the Thunder have to be worried. And that's where Rockets fans have to be, like, overjoyed. I just don't know how realistic that is. After Like, he wasn't that explosive in the bubble before the quadricep injury. Sure. Um, and I think that was maybe tied... It was either tied to conditioning or COVID or both or something else, right? But for whatever reason, like, he wasn't that explosive in the bubble before the injury. And then with this injury, that's a serious injury. Like, that's something that can get a lot worse and affect him and over, have him overcompensate. And that's a dude, as you know, like, he's had a lot of surgeries already, right? Like, that's... Um, yeah, I think if I'm a Rockets fan, I'm super worried about that because I do think his presence is is key to the Rockets going from like someone we kind of are unsure about to like actually maybe being the third best team in the West. Yeah. And I mean you can't not play Russell Westbrook. You can't just say hey you Russ, have, yeah you have to play you have him. To right? play him. If he's even eighty percent, like you have to play him. And that could be a hindrance because if he's out there, I mean he's really their only non shooter. And if you put him yeah. out there and you and you put him out on the perimeter and he can't explode to the rim. Like what does he what does he do on offense? Like what is his role? Yeah, I don't I mean he's they kind of put him as like a screener, right? Yeah. In a lot of situations and it was working and um and I do think he's great kind of around the basket just in terms of that, that dunker spot as they use him as a dump-off guy. He's great at cutting. Like I, I think that they found ways to use him off the ball where it's not just like, hey, we need you to spread the floor even though you're not a three-point shooter. right? Like mm-hmm. He didn't take that many threes for him this year, which which was a huge plus for them. Um, I think it was it was like maybe the lowest like percentage, like lowest volume of three-pointers he had taken in, in I don't know, maybe a decade yeah. at this point. But yeah. Um, but yeah, like if he's if he's not healthy and he's not explosive, um, and you feel comfortable like, hey, his legs aren't going to hold up. He can he can shoot that pull up mid range jumper all he wants, and he can have the three pointer all he wants because he's a historically bad three point shooter. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you do with that if you're the Rockets. But you also you can't just be like, eh, never mind. Austin Rivers forty minutes. Right. Chris Clemens come play. <laughs> no, like you can't do no. that. You have to see if Russ has it that mm-hmm. night. Yeah, or maybe not that night. Like it's just got to be a quarter, right? But he's yeah. got to do something. Yes. Yeah, you can't you can't trade for Russell and then say, yeah, we're we're only going to use you when we want you. That's just not right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what's your pick for the series? Man, I'm so torn on this because I generally go with if it's a coin toss, who has the big like who has the best player, right? Yeah. And that is James Harden, but there's something about that Stephen Adams presence where. I, I've been saying this whole time since I went to small ball, like, look, if you can get a guy who just wears down these guys physically, they're not going to hit shots in the fourth quarter. And that can be Steven Adams here just with how big and strong he is. Like, the big, strong guys have problems with Steven Adams, mm-hmm. right? Like, they they get tired from him. Like, so what is a strong guy who's much smaller than him going to do? Um, but, man, I don't – there's just something about this Rockets team where – it's funny because like the whole time I've been thinking, well, they got to prove to me that they're trustworthy. And now for whatever reason, I'm just like, eh, I don't trust them, but I get, I, I have this feeling about them in the bubble where that normal collapse may not happen. Sure. Um, I guess I'm going rockets and seven, but I don't feel confident in it at all. <laughs> I know. Like I don't yeah. like, I, I, I think the thunder are a better team, especially with the, the Westbrook injury, but, there's just something about the star power of Harden. I I think he's in a good rhythm right now. Like he, you know, he finished the 
the seating game. Well, I don't know if he's playing today. I don't know if they're playing today, but as we record this on a Friday, but like, I don't know any of that, but you know, he had that 45 point game and the loss to the Pacers. Like he seemed like he was in a good spot scoring wise. The three point shot got better towards the end of that, that bubble. Like, I guess he's I guess he's in a good enough spot where I'll I'll flip a coin and go with the the Rockets in seven, but mm-hmm. man, I don't feel good about it. I know, and it's to me, it's almost like there's so much pressure on the Rockets to perform, and there's just yeah. absolutely no pressure on the Thunder. Like if they lose in seven, great, what a great season for OKC. Yeah. If they win, wow, what a great season for OKC. Yeah, well, even if they lose in four or five, right? Like yeah. it's still like it's house money at this point because no one expect well th- all right this is bothering me i did say in the preseason i think the thunder can be a playoff team if they don't trade chris paul mm-hmm. so everyone's saying no one saw this from the thunder now granted i didn't think they'd be this good so i didn't see this but i do think like i think people around the league saw that there are bones here for a good team yeah well the voice of the I guess the just, voice of the athletic nba saw it the voice of the athletic nba <laughs> coverage <laughs> said maybe they'll be good so i think that you know there's a little confidence there but um but no this thunder team like the thunder team's good like billy donovan's been a great coach this year Mm -hmm. um they the young guys are good the old guys are good like yeah like i think you i think no matter what happens in this series even if it looks like a disaster i don't know how you could walk away from the season thinking well that was a disappointment yeah uh most important question of the day what is your favorite cereal Ooh. Man, that's a great question. I don't know if this is a weird pick. I think Golden Grams are my favorite cereal. Not a weird pick. A solid pick. Definitely in my top five. Very. Yeah, I love Golden Grams. Like, there's certain there's certain ones that I, I really enjoy. I'm a big Lucky Charms fan. Um, you know, I like Captain Crunch, but obviously it can cut up your mouth. Right. But I think Golden Grams always deliver for me. Yeah, solid choice. Very good choice. What's yours? Uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch is okay yeah see i've never been a cinnamon toast crunch guy i just don't like the cinnamon part of it and everyone always talks about how they like the milk afterwards and that's what makes it great mm-hmm. but i don't i don't drink the milk afterwards okay. so it doesn't do anything for me um and cinnamon i'm just a it's a very weird thing i like i, I need a certain level of cinnamon that i don't feel like the the toast crunch brings uh <laughs> consistently for me but i understand why people love it are you a french toast guy french cr- i love french toast french yeah. toast crunch french toast. i mean is that a thing? It's a thing, yeah. Oh, I've never tried that. Yeah, it's oh, it's legit. I think. Well, I've got to go to the store. No, you got to go check it out. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> Zach, thanks so much for coming on the show. We can follow you Absolutely. on Twitter at Talk Hoops. Read all of Zach's stuff on theAthletic.com, and also listen to every single podcast on the Athletic because yeah, you're going to hear the, this voice. I'm the voice of the Athletic. How could you go wrong? You know, you know where to find me. <laughs> It's the worst thing I've ever said. (laughs) Thanks so much, Zach. Yeah, absolutely. Is your student loan payment too high? Is water wet? Well, refinancing with Ernest can help you lower your monthly payment. If you've been making the same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple years, odds are you could reduce your payment and save by refinancing with Ernest. Even if you've refinanced before, with today's low rate environment, most people could save by refinancing again. Checking your new rate is fast and easy. To start, complete a few questions online, it takes only two minutes, and then you'll get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score. Want to change your monthly payment, combine many loans into one easy payment, or get a better rate? Earnest makes it easy. Plus, there's no origination fee or any other fees. Plus... 
The internet loves Ernest customer service. They rated it at 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot. And now you can get $100 cash bonus when you refinance a loan with Ernest.com slash down to dunk. Once again, you get $100 cash bonus if you refinance your loan at Ernest.com slash down to dunk. Not available in all states. Visit earnest.com slash down to dunk for more details. Terms and conditions apply. Earnest student loan refinancing loans are made by Earnest Operations LLC NMLS 1204917. California Financing Law License Number 6054788. 303 Second Street Suite 401 in San Francisco, California 94107. Visit earnest.com licenses for a full list of licensed states. I'd like to welcome in Eric Horn from The Athletic. Eric, how's it going? It's good, Andrew. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Let's, uh, let's talk through a few things about this Thunder Rockets series. First, I want to just talk about what the advantages are for the Thunder. So what are some specific advantages you see for OKC? Well, I mean, they've got Chris Paul, and that's a great place to start. Yeah. Um, as we know, uh, he's been the you know the best clutch time guy in the league, and uh, he's just been kind of the, the the conductor of everything that they do this season. He's just been such a great shooter in the mid range, and such a great point guard and influence. And um, you know, of all the things that I took from the, the bubble, considering the Thunder didn't really have a ton of their uh, their guys playing together for long stretches. Um, I'd probably say their defense looked pretty decent. Uh, you know, I think they were one of the top three defensive teams in the bubble. Uh, I don't know how that exactly translates into a two-week series, but I think their defense and Chris Paul are the two things you can probably lean on right now. Yeah, no, that makes sense. What, what are the advantages you see, you see for Houston? Uh, James Harden. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Harden's going to be the best player in the series. Yeah. He, he's, he's so good. And, and he, you know, we're going to have to wait and see. And I'm sure you're going to – we're going to talk a little bit about Luke Dort. But he's so important to to this series and how they're going to defend Harden. But even with Luke Dort, Harden's going to be incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, and he's just a guy that's going to be really tough to stop. And then, you know, the advantage for the Rockets, you know, since they went to the small ball is they, they just give people so many difficult matchups when it comes to – you know, fielding a bunch of guys that can switch at every position. So, you know, how the Thunder would handle, you know, a, a P.J. Tucker or Robert Covington uh, playing at center. And then how they can make life difficult on James Harden. Those are the advantages for the Rockets. Yeah. How, so you, you touched on it a little bit. What's what's the best strategy in slowing down James Harden? Well, you know, you send multiple bodies at him as much as you can. I think the best strategy, honestly, would be able to get the ball out of his hands. But, you know, just the way that the Rockets, you know, manufactured their offense, he's going to have the ball a ton. So, you know, in in an ideal situation, you'd be able to stay home on their shooters and have a one-on-one defender, you know, force him into a difficult step back. Um, That's an ideal situation. Mm -hmm. That's why you need a Lou Dort, because he's so physical. He's not going to let James turn the corner on him too easily. And he's a guy who has the lateral quickness to be able to stay in front of him, too. So, you know, in a perfect world, you, you'd be able to defend him one-on-one. Um, if it comes down to it, maybe you trap him a little bit and get the ball out of his hands. 
you know, a la Dane Lillard and, you know, just take your chances with somebody else trying to make a shot over you like a Covington or a Ben McLemore or -hmm. Russell Westbrook. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just, I mean, James Harden is just tough, man. Uh, He's going to make some tough shots over those guys. And I think it's important for guys like Dort or Terrence Ferguson or Andre Robertson, whoever it ends up being, to remain diligent and not get down when James Harden makes a bunch of threes over you. Yeah. What have you heard on Dort's status? I know he's supposed to be day-to-day, which kind of surprised me when that news came through because I thought, one, how long it took for the news to drop, that it was that it could be super bad, and just the way that it happened. It looked like a non-contact injury if you looked at it in certain ways. Uh, but overall, like positive news for the Thunder. Uh, what do you know about his status? Yeah, like they said, um, right knee sprain, you know, it, it's positive that it seems like he's going to be available. But how available is a big question. It's one thing if he's available, he's 100% going into the first games of the series or he's, or he's up to 100%, you know, as the series goes on. But if he gets to a point where he's not 100% or he's, or he's, a, he's a detriment to you on defense, then I don't know how effective that really is in terms of stopping Harden. And then Dort's had his offensive struggles too. Um, aside from the three-point shooting, which we've kind of looked at all year, and Dort's not, not that great of a three-point shooter. He's a little streaky. One of his strengths is being able to get the ball and kind of drive at guys or get the ball off the defensive glass and kind of lead the break. Yep. If that knee's kind of acting up on him and he's not 100%, that's going to affect his offense too. So – I'm curious to see what he looks like because his health could be a big swing for the Thunder uh, in terms of you know defending Harden and, and just adding another element to their offense. Yeah. Who do you think starts if Dort can't go? Oh God. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, you know, at the end of the uh, you know end of the second quarter in the game, he got hurt. Robertson closed with the starters. Uh, mm-hmm. Terrence Ferguson started the third quarter. Um, I would, at this point, I would lean either towards Schroeder or Terrence Ferguson. Now, you probably want to bring Schroeder off the bench just, just so you can kind of keep his minutes kind of with the, um, you know, with some of the second unit and you can have it set up to where he can close the second and fourth quarters. So I'd probably go with Ferguson right now, which is which is wild to think because Ferguson has essentially been out of the rotation uh, for most of the uh, most of the restart. Yeah. Um, I, I, but I think Billy Donovan probably trusts Ferguson more than Hamadou Diallo when it comes to defending Harden. Hamadou Diallo is just st- still too foul prone to me. Um, I don't. I don't like his his, his 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 fouling. He's a little wild on offense. I think with Ferguson, you at least know you're going to get a guy who's not going to do too much out of his element on offense. And if you can sprinkle in some Robertson in there, I, I, I think that that you know that's that's better than giving you. 25 to 30 minutes of Hamidou Diallo, which I just really don't trust, frankly. Mm -hmm. I could not agree more with that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I I think it's safe to say, especially with Russ Hurt, that Chris Paul and Harden are the two best players in this series. Who's the third best player in this series? That's interesting. Um, You know, you, if the Thunder wants to win this series, it needs to be SGA. Yeah. Um, He's got to be awesome regardless of who's out there, he's got to be great. He's got to, he's got to carry his end on defense um, because they're going to be a bunch of switches and he's going to end up on Harden at some point in time. 
Um, he's got to be efficient offensively. He's got to be particularly efficient in the few minutes that Chris Paul gets a break because we know how good he is with Chris Paul. We know how good he is with Schroeder. But we've kind of seen this up and down in terms of SGA running the offense by himself. And those minutes could be the minutes that kind of dictate where this series is going to go, particularly if Westbrook's not out there. If Westbrook mm-hmm. doesn't play, SGA needs to dominate those minutes that Harden's not out there. And he can. We've, we've seen it from him. But he's capable. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, a guy that I think is really going to have an influence no matter what is Danilo Gallinari. Um, you know, how he can hold up defensively is going to be important because – you know, you would think even if the Thunder downsizes and goes small, you're still going to want Gallinari out there as much as you can because he just opens up everything for everybody else. When, when he's out there, you can look at the advanced stats. The, the Thunder's offensive numbers are just phenomenal. And I think he and Chris Paul have been the two the two guys in the bubble you've had the least worries about. When they're out there, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, they, they're going to be fine. Aside from Chris Paul turning the ball over too much. But um Gallinari and Paul are the guys that you'd like to see SGA be the guy who kind of steps into that third best player role. Um, but, but Gallinari, I think is a difference maker. I think he's a guy who could step into the most, like maybe the third most important guy in the series just by, by how much he opens up the floor. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, I think as, as observers of Russell Westbrook through the years, we have seen many versions of Russell. And to me, I'm very curious, especially, it sounds like he is going to play, but what version of Russ shows up? Uh, and what what are your thoughts on that? Man, that, that, that's really hard to tell because, like, I do think that the circumstances have made it to where Russell doesn't have to be the same guy that he was. Um, you know, the five-out system, Harden being Harden, uh, Russell being a little older, being in a different circumstance where he's not the the dominant personality on a team. I just think it, it, it asks different things of him. So he doesn't have to crank a bunch of threes. He doesn't have to go into kind of hero mode and feel like he's got to win the game by himself. Mm-hmm. So I think I've seen like a lot of people talking about how, not a lot of people, but but enough people saying that, you know, Russ might get into like an emotional battle with the Thunder and that could swing in the Thunder's favor. I actually think that if Russell played, he'd kind of be under control. I think he would do, I think he would really play. I I, I don't want to say within himself, because I think that one of the the strongest, uh, like one of the strengths of Russell is like, he kind of plays this style that, that kind of puts you on your heels. And it's almost, it's almost wild, but it's not, it's like wild. It's a controlled wildness. Yeah. Like, I think that, but I, but I don't think he would let it get to an emotional level where we saw against Ricky Rubio in 2018. Yep. Um, I think that Russell would really play within himself if he if he were to play in this series. Now that being said, I think that the Rockets can win the series without him, hmm. and I think it's because we've seen James Harden take a team and put it on his, his back before. Yeah, um, and and I actually think that if Russell were to play, I think the Thunder would make it to where they would live with Russell taking the shots he takes as opposed to James having the ball in his hands. Yep. Because I, I don't think the Thunder can win this series trading threes with James Harden. I, I think they, they have a better chance of winning the series if Russell's posting up SGA, 
if Russell's you know, doing his things in the mid-range. And if he hits them, so be it. But the Thunder can trade twos with this team. If they mm-hmm. want to trade twos, the Thunder's the best mid-range team in the league. Um, now, to get into the rim part is going to be an issue, but I, I really think that if they want to trade twos and they want to let Russell Westbrook get off and, and, and Harden is the guy who's kind of taking a backseat to Russ, I think the Thunder can live with that. Yeah, especially with the quad injury because we don't really know what he's going to look like when he comes back. Yeah. And if he can't explode to the rim, then that's a huge problem for Houston because that's how they thrived was you had everything Harden could do plus just this wrecking ball to the rim and, and Russell Westbrook. And if you don't have that version, like what do you have in Exactly. Russ? And it's almost like I think in Houston's case, I almost think that they actually might be better off just letting – just just telling Russ, Russell just, hey, just sit this series out. Yeah. Just, just get right. Don't worry about having to come back and, and all this pressure of having to, to, to take the weight off of James. Like, they're going to need him in the second round. And, and it's, not that they don't, it's not that they don't need him now. They just don't need him as much as they would against the Lakers. Yeah. Um, and I think that if you bring Russell Westbrook back in this series and you win this series, is, is that detrimental to your long-term plan of having Russell Westbrook healthy down the line? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a huge question for them. Okay, it wouldn't be down to dunk if I didn't ask you a weird question about food. So, what's your favorite? What's your favorite cereal? Oh my! I'm I'm the most boring person in the world when it comes to cereals, man. Like, I, like my favorite cereal is Special K fruit and yogurt, okay. and that's like the most. That's the most like adult like dad thing to say. But I've been on I've been on this like Special K fruit and yogurt thing for like probably. I'd say probably like five to eight years now, man. Like I don't eat a lot of cereal. <laughs> That's a long time, yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy, but but it's just good, man. It's like it's like a perfect combination of you don't feel like you're eating the most trash cereal in the world in terms yeah. of sugar, but yeah. it still has some flavor. So I either do that, and then my second would probably be like honey bunches of oats and again that's a dad-ass cereal too oh, yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> i respect so, yeah, it like, though i respect that cereal game okay eric thanks for oh, coming okay. on thanks for coming on the show tell tell listeners what what you've got coming up during the playoffs uh, as far as thunder coverage goes yeah you know me and kelly Iko, um rockets beat writer for the athletic we're going to team up and kind of do a team uh, a series preview in the next coming days and then you know i wanted to take a deep dive into the the nine Chris Paul minutes with SGA and Lou Dort. And that's something I've been working on for probably a week or so, but I think they, they become a little bit more important now. Now you're going to the playoffs and you just don't know Dort's status. So I think that that's the thing that I'm going to dive into as well. And I'm sure some other things will come up along the way, but uh, it should be a compelling series, man. It's going to be fun. Oh yeah, no doubt. Make sure you read Eric. You always got to read Eric on the athletic. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, man. No problem. One of the benefits of working at The Athletic and working with some great people is that I get to bring great people on to Down to Dunk. I'd love to welcome Sam Amick to the show. Sam, how's it going? Andrew, doing great. Thanks for having me, my friend. Yeah, of course. Uh, Let's get into this Thunder series. So, Thunder Rockets. Ooh, uh, and I first want to touch on the advantages that the Thunder have in this series. Uh, From your standpoint, uh, what do you see as the advantages for OKC? Well, um... Certainly, their old familiar face and friend, Russell Westbrook, not being available for the first couple of games with Mm -hmm. that quad injury is an advantage. Nobody knows better than Thunder fans uh, 
what Russ can do come playoff time. And, you know, we all saw in the second half of the season, both before the shutdown and then uh, different times during the restart, that, you know, this whole Rockets machine was built uh, largely around Russ, which sounds weird because it's James Harden's world. But, you know, that Clint Capella move in February and deciding to go ultra small, that was all about, you know, getting the best out of Russ, you know, giving him the runway to the rim getting the bigs out of the way. And so it's a pretty big blow um, for him to be out at all. And, and honestly, seems like it might be, uh, you know, the type of thing that lingers. So that's a huge edge for OKC and, and balances things out a bit because obviously the Dennis Schroeder absence is something that, that the Thunder are going to have to to deal with. Um, you know, from there, I, you know, if I was putting like my scouting hat on and deciding – what I felt like targeting. I, I always enjoy watching Steven Adams do his thing in general, but mm-hmm. in this landscape, um, given the Rockets diminutive, can never say that word, diminutive stature <laughs> <laughs> and just how, you know, again, the small ball style, um, Steve, you know, Steven's pretty light of foot. He can run the floor and having a, a big like him out there is, it's not necessarily to me a detriment on that front. And then next thing you know, I mean, uh, I think he'll be cleaning house on the glass, so I think that's a huge edge too. Yeah, where's where are the edges for for Houston? Well, I mean, experience would be one, which is weird to say because Chris Paul is a bad man right. and he's he's done this thing before. And so, you know, and, and by the way, that you talk about juicy subplots, I, it it's it's just perfect that you had kind of this uncomfortable ending between Chris and. James during their Houston time together. And not only are they having the reunion, but Russ being hurt almost just kind of puts the spotlight even brighter on those two guys. I mean, it's really, you know, which one is going to lead their team, which one is going to be poised. And, and, uh, and so with, uh, you know, with that, I will say the Rockets have far more playoff experience. Now, you know, Steven Adams has seen some things. It's not that the Thunder haven't been there and done that, but, Houston now it's funny with San Antonio's 22 season playoff streak coming to an end Houston uh it's quite a fall off but Houston at eight is now the league leader in consecutive playoff berths and you know they've just been kind of you know trying to get up that championship mountain for a long time now with uh, different iterations of teams that were all built around James and Mm -hmm. he in terms of his story and his legacy you know, I mean, this is another huge year for him where, um, you know, his 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 uh, resume is just still missing some stuff. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's what he's trying to fix. And again, I mean, listen, that that same logic applies to Chris. I just think Chris is uh, Chris is already playing with house money when it comes to this OKC experience. You know, mm-hmm. like he is reminding people they they were the team that was supposed to have a two percent chance of making the playoffs or whatever it was. And and folks thought that he would go and basically force his way out of OKC and try to find his way to Miami or some other big market team, and that didn't happen. Um, so I'm looking forward to the series for sure. Yeah, looking ahead just a little bit, do you do you see Chris staying in OKC for even another season? It's hard to tell. I mean, I think that his play has made his contract far more palatable. Mm-hmm. Um, his dedication, he did some stuff personally that was incredibly smart 
and necessary in terms of the, the optics around his contract. And he doesn't like to talk about it a lot, but I mean, the dietary stuff that he changed sure. um, seems to have shed some weight stamina. I mean, the, the Houston folks like on his way out it would kind of chuckle about how his reluctance to, to do the kind of cardio that was necessary in their eyes. And that part seems to have changed. And so that that's going to have a ripple effect on longevity. So with that, you then have a better market when it comes to um, the possibilities that might be there for him, mm -hmm. for, whether it's Miami, which is one that's always rumored, or New York um, with you know his old buddy Leon Rose, his longtime agent now running the Knicks. So it's hard to tell. Um, Sam Presti has got arguably, probably not even arguably, but you know more pieces to play with right now than anybody in the league when you combine draft picks and prospects that are already doing good things. Sure. And so, you know, we thought when Chris went to OKC that maybe it would, uh, it would get in Shea uh, Gilgis Alexander's way. And that hasn't been the case. They've actually kind of augmented each other's game. So I don't know what Sam's thinking, but you know, if this season's any indication, it's, it's a pretty good thing. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, so, I think it's safe to say that James Harden and Chris Paul, especially with Russell's status, are the two best players in the series. Who do you see as the third best if Russell is indeed legitimately hampered? Third best player in this series. I don't, you know, I, man, that's a good question. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to give it to, to Eric Gordon. I got a soft spot for P.J. Tucker. Shea comes to mind uh, yeah, as a candidate. I mean, Gallinari, honestly, remains underappreciated. Sure. And what he does, I mean, is, he's had a very good year. So one of those guys, again, Steven Adams, and, and the role he can play and the, the defensive presence, um, you know, but, man, Steven's going to – he is going to be tested having to, to, to recover and try to, to, to get out to the perimeter a bit and – because they just they can't afford for Houston to fire off 63s a night or else the math is not going to work for OKC. So that part is going to be challenging. But, I mean, it's, you know, you knew it was a good question when you asked it because it's like there's not a clear answer. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. once you get past James and Chris, um, I'm not sure who it is. What's what's your opinion on that one? To me, if, if OKC is going to win this series, I think it needs to be Shea. I think Shea needs to show yeah. that he's taking that next step. And if it is, like if Eric Gordon can bounce back after what's been a pretty miserable season for him, then it, honestly, if it's if it's a Rocket that's the third best player, then I think it's advantage Rockets. And then if it's the sure. if it's a Thunder player, then it's advantage Thunder. And I think that's what makes this series really interesting because I just I sat down and like looked at everything. I'm like I have I really don't know. I don't know who it is. I will say it's this is a story that. I don't think it's coming out until Monday, but um, I guess as a a sneak preview that is that, that I thought was interesting, we're going to talk to a coach and executive and a scout and have them handicap all the playoff series and yeah. just pretty basic thing where it's prediction and reasoning. And the executive who I talked to yesterday definitely got my attention when he went with Thunder and Six, and wow. uh, yeah. I mean, he had OKC yeah. winning it, and the Chris Paul effect was certainly huge. And on both ends of the floor, we still, again, especially because he's a little lighter, 
um, we don't give him enough love for what he is defensively. Sure. And with Harden, whose playoff career I've covered so much of and been there in person for for so much of, you know, I thought about this yesterday watching Damian Lillard yet again pull off some clutch magic. And, I, and I, you know, it's not quite this simple, but the thing that tugs at me about James is that one of the problems with his incredible regular season greatness is that he sets the bar extremely high and then fair or not. And you know, a lot of this is inspired by his own personal history. It's just, when we get to this time of year, it then becomes the question of, you know, is he going to find a way to have those types of performances that, that essentially just cut out all the noise about all the X factors on the sides and who's the third best player you know, there's, there is a world that exists <clears throat> when James Harden just says, get out of my way. There's no way that Chris Paul is coming to get revenge in a series like this. And yep. and so that to me, that's a real question, though. With, without Russ to take pressure off of you, you know, if I was, uh, you know, I don't know. If I was James, I'd be real careful to not have a little kind of reunion, not reunion, but a relapse of uh, that Spurs series, the infamous Spurs series years yeah. ago where, he just couldn't get his game together. So, you know, certainly all eyes on James, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's your pick for the series, Sam? Um, it's hard because like, we just don't know what they are without Russ. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, my head is telling me, okay, see, my heart because of the history with the Rockets is going the other direction just because they've, it's so hard to believe that they would bounce in the first round. Right. Um, so I guess well, I'm going to go with the old heart. I'm going to say Rockets in seven, but I think okay. it'll be a good one. Yeah. yeah. I think it'll be, a, I think it'll be an amazing series. Uh, maybe the most important question of the day, Sam, what is your favorite cereal? <laughs> uh, favorite cereal. Man, I haven't eaten cereal in a very long time. Um, I guess I'll go with what came to mind first, corn pops. Although, truthfully, Andrew, and I know this is a family show, um, what came to mind first, I don't know if you've seen this, was a clip I saw the other day. It's an old one of uh, Ernie Johnson on TNT talking about eating a bowl full of tricks. Have you seen this video? No, I have not seen it. Oh, it's pretty epic because again, you can. You, this is your show. You can cut this out if you want, but for fun, I'm going to share it. He's on the TNT set, gleefully telling a story about how he ate an entire bowl of tricks. But the way that he worded it was that he smashed a bowl of tricks, and then he, and then he, and then he unfortunately took out the words in between, and he said that he smashed tricks. And Shaq is on the side laughing and going okay ernie so what would you do again you you smash some tricks <laughs> and ernie had no idea and he's just sitting there going oh yeah it was incredible so i'm a bad person but that's the first cereal that came to mind because i just saw that clip <laughs> oh, that's good that's very good Sam, thanks for coming on. You got to if you're not reading Sam Amick on the Athletic, I don't know what you're doing. So make sure that you're going to theathletic.com and reading Sam. Uh, and also make sure you're listening to the Athletic NBA show every Tuesday. We have a great show um, always lined up with Sam. So make sure you're listening and reading Sam. And uh, appreciate you coming on. 
Of course. Thanks, Andrew. I'd like to welcome Lee Ellis from No Dunks. I, I can't tell you how excited I am to have you on our show. I've listened to you guys since uh, Basketball Jones days, and uh, to have you on Down to Dunk means a lot. So, Lee, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. So let's get into it. Let's talk about the Thunder. What what advantages do you think the Thunder have over the Rockets in this first round series? Well, I think the biggest advantage right now is the health of Russell Westbrook for the Houston Rockets because if he's unable to play or if he's playing and he's maybe at 70% uh, health, then uh, you know he's the Rockets' best or second best player. Um, so it just gives a, a, a health advantage there to the Thunder. I mean, you know, coming into this series. I think uh, OKC have played Houston very, very well this season, you know, prior to the suspension. And uh, if they're now going to be missing one of their best players, then uh, it just gives an advantage to Oklahoma City. I don't think it automatically means the Thunder are going to win the series or anything like that. But uh, like any team, if you if you take the second best player off any team, it just makes it a lot harder for them. So um, that's something that they'll have to exploit, OKC. But added to that, I think, as well, is, uh, you know, the way that the Rockets play with this small ball sort of system that Daryl Morey has put in there, then they are really open to being exploited inside. Now, you know, Robert Covington and PJ Tucker and those guys play well, they play above their height, you know, they, and they have to fill that hole. But if someone like Stephen Adams can really just get inside with his, you know, big body down there and run the sort of pick and roll with Chris Paul, then it's almost unguardable in a lot of ways. So I think that's uh, an area that the Thunder really have to try to expose. Um, and, you know, you know with Houston that you're going to get a chance to get out and run because they like to try to outscore teams. They don't like to really make it a defensive game. So, you know, for some of those Thunder players, you know, like Shea Gilgis-Alexander uh, Gilgis when Chris Paul's out running and get uh, Danilo Gallinari's out there, like there's just guys who are going to get plenty of uh, open looks in this series. So um, I certainly think that the matchup is one that the Thunder go into this feeling pretty good that, uh, you know, they match up well against Houston simply because uh, the Rockets give you a chance to score. Um, and, you know, defensively, if you can slow down James Harden, then you look at the Rockets and you know they're going to shoot those threes. But we've also seen in the playoffs in the past where the Rockets shoot a lot of threes. But if they go cold, sometimes they can go real cold. Mm -hmm. So uh, lots of things here that I see that KC can exploit. But again, it doesn't automatically mean they win the series. They still have to be disciplined defensively and they have to execute on offense themselves. But uh, I think they'd go in feeling pretty confident right now. If you're the Thunder, how would you approach slowing down James Harden? Are you just going to rely on guys like Dort and Robertson to try to slow him down one-on-one? -on -one? You're trying to get the ball out of his hands with the double team. What would be your strategy? Yeah, it's an interesting one. You can go one of two ways. You can try to slow James Harden down, or you can almost say, listen, James is going to get 40 or 50 points, but we can live with that as long as somebody else isn't also scoring. And uh, I think, you know, you've seen Austin Rivers, for example, has had a couple of good games there in yeah. the bubble. So these guys are going to be out there waiting to catch that sh the ball from James Harden to shoot threes, like a PJ Tucker in the corner, and Robert Covington, everyone. You know, basically, if you're on the Rockets, you're going to just wait on the perimeter for the ball to come to you and shoot. And so I think without Westbrook there, maybe the better strategy is to just uh, try to nullify all those other players and, and let, you know, watch James Harden drive inside or watch him just try to go for 50 or 55 points because I think the Thunder can still live with that. And also James Harden has had a history of slowing down in the playoffs. So if he's taking on an enormous workload on the offensive end and then you try to make him work on the defensive end, 
he might simply just run out of legs in a, in a series if this one goes five or six games. So um, I, I'm not sure if Billy Donovan wants to try that because sometimes coaches are against the other team's star player having big games because that might, they, they may still be able to will their team to victory. But I think we've seen in the past from James Harden, regardless of who his teammates are, he can get 40 or 50 or even 60 virtually any night he wants simply because he has the ball in his hands probably 80 to 85 percent of the times the Rockets have the uh, have possession on offense. So I, I would probably be more inclined to just say, listen, let's maybe put Dort on him. We're going to rotate guys around on James Harden, but just try to make sure you stay at home on those other guys so that Harden literally is trying to just carry that offense by himself and uh, hope that he goes cold, hope that he runs out of legs. And if you make him work defensively, just you know, just just give him so much of a workload that he's just going to struggle to be able to play, you know, 40, 45 minutes, which also is what the Rockets like to do. I mean, Mike D'Antoni likes to play seven, maybe eight guys max in the playoffs. Yep. And, you know, without Russell Westbrook, it's simply already James Harden, big workload. So I, I would probably be more inclined to try to, you know, tire him out uh, because he's that way anyway. I don't, I don't think there really is an effective strategy that's worked on James Harden in the past where you can stop him from getting at least – you know, 25 to 30 in a game anyway. So um, I think I, I think the Rockets are at their best when, when James can come down and he can find those shooters in the corners and they're knocking down threes. I think if you look at some of the Rockets' wins, when, when guys, other guys have multiple threes, that's when the Rockets are at their best because they're just out there. Um, it, it becomes a track meet and everyone feels good. But if you can stop those other guys from shooting threes, then you can almost guarantee you can withstand a, a 40, 45-point barrage from James Harden because he just won't get enough support. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a ton of sense. And and with that, you talk about like the other guys. I, I think that we know that Chris Paul and James Harden are probably the two best guys in the series, especially with, with Russell Westbrook being hampered. Who do you see as the third best player in the series? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I'm probably going to um, go with uh, Gilgis Alexander. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he has been incredible this season, and I think he has really benefited from playing with Chris Paul. He was a good player last year with the Clippers, but I think when you play with a superstar like Chris Paul, he can just teach you things on the court that you can only learn from playing with him. You can't learn some of these things in practice. It's more just about the way Chris Paul goes about his business because Chris Paul has gone from a guy, you know, last year on the Rockets where things didn't work out to getting himself back in the MVP conversation for the way that he has played and the way that he's led OKC this season. Now, Chris Paul won't win the MVP. We know that's likely going to be Giannis or LeBron James. In fact, it's James Harden's the only other guy who could win it because the the three finalists were announced. But Chris Paul will make an all-NBA team, probably probably the second team, I think. Um, but the way that he has played, and I think this is more symbolic of Chris Paul, that he... His career, when you look through what he, what he's achieved, he's had, I believe, his most success or his best success. And he's not with another legit superstar. You know, things that work out with James Harden, the Clippers, uh, the Clippers. They were fighting and things weren't uh, always great and rosy between those teammates. Whereas this year, he's the veteran. He's leading those young players by the way that he plays on the court. And, you know, he's still putting up good numbers. He's certainly not putting up enormous numbers, but he's having such an impact on the game that the Thunder are winning. And he's just, uh, he's, he's showing true leadership quality. So, um, you know, that's great. And again, I think that's where Gilgis Alexander has really excelled this season because he's not trying to take Chris Paul's spot. He understands, you know, Chris Paul's the leader and he can then sort of slot in behind him. I think 
I think the part of the reason why James Harden and Chris Paul didn't work out was because they were kind of like, I'm the best player, and, and they couldn't really share that spotlight. But there's no one to, to sort of challenge Chris Paul for that this season. Now, in a couple of years, Gilgis Alexander will probably be the best player on the Thunder if he stays there, whereas Chris Paul moves towards the end of his career. But for this season... We've seen that, um, you know, it just works really well. Now, the other thing is if Dennis Schroeder comes back, I believe he is uh, in the bubble. So he's probably in quarantine. He's um, back. He it's we, yeah. he came back Monday night. So there's a chance that he has cleared quarantine already. We haven't gotten a word of that yet, but right, he's, he's right. going to clear within the next 24 hours. Yeah. Now he's coming back from the birth of a, of a child. So you wonder sort of what his conditioning will be. I, I doubt he'll be up to speed. Um, you know, in those first couple of games. But he was very, very important for what the Thunder did this season as well. You know, ending games, uh, he was on the court. That three-headed uh, lineup with him, uh, Shea and uh, Chris Paul was very, very effective. So, you know, I think the thing about the Thunder is, uh, that, you know, they don't have that that one guy who you know is going to go out and get you that 35 points, but they have several guys, you know, who can go and get you, 20 points, 20 to 25 points, you know, throw Gallinari in that mix as well. So um, that's that's what I think really benefits the Thunder in this series. They've got a bit more balance, a bit more depth, and shooters, guys who can spread the floor. And then you've got those individual defenders as well, like, um, you know, Dort, who can who can really just give it everything on the defensive end. And he also can get out and run in transition. So um, I, uh, I think, you know, to go back to your original questions, we're coming a long way to get back to it. But I think it is, uh, I think Gilgis Alexander, in terms of pure talent, is uh, probably the third best player in this series but it may be someone like Stephen Adams for this particular matchup who is more actually important because if he stays on the floor you know he, he should he should average 15 to 20 rebounds a game because there'll be a a ton of shots and b not a lot of uh, defensive rebounding that people are going to steal off him um, and then on the offensive end as I said before he can just go inside and he should get a lot of uh, easy baskets from either missed shots or just running a pick and roll there and getting inside, knowing that, you know, he doesn't really have anyone with tall enough who can sort of contend with him. So um, it's going to, it's going to be fascinating to see just, uh, you know, how, how he does line up in this series. And if the Rockets, I mean, they'll, they'll try to get him off the floor, but I just don't think that'll uh, be effective in this series because Stephen Adams is a smart player. Mm-hmm. And even if they spread the floor out, you know, he's not, He's not one of those guys who gets totally um, cooked on defense anyway. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I look around Houston. I think, you know, they've got a lot of guys who can, uh, you know, score and shoot those threes. But if that's not working for them, they don't have a lot of a plan B in that sense, which, uh, you know, which is good for OKC. Yeah. Another thing, I mean, obviously the Russell Westbrook injury benefits OKC, but let's say he does come back. What version of Russ do you expect to see? Do we expect to see this disciplined Russell Westbrook that's not taking threes, that's just trying to get to the basket? Or do we see the Russell Westbrook that's shown up the past two postseasons where he has gotten to this mental matchup with Ricky Rubio, who obviously did not want to be a part of that, but was kind of drug into it anyways. And then you had the one with Damian Lillard last year, who obviously Dame was very excited to be a part of that one. Um, <laughs> what uh, what are your thoughts on the, the Russell Westbrook that we can expect to see? 
Well, first off, if he comes back, let's hope he's 100% healthy because uh, if he's not, then um, he may as well not play because Westbrook, for me, only knows how to play one way and that's completely 100% all yep. the time. You know, he, he's one or, he's 100 miles an hour no matter what and, and I love his competitiveness. But I also, as, as you say there, that competitiveness, he wasn't able to kind of control that in the playoffs last the last couple of years, in fact, last three years, I would say, and it really cost him in the end because teams would be able to sort of suck him into playing the way that they want him to play and he would buy into that. So um, he, see, for me, you know, I talked about this on our show a lot. I believe when the calendar turned this year back in January, I think for the first sort of six weeks of the year, he was the Rockets' best player because he Mm -hmm. started to play sensible basketball. And by that, I mean attack the rim, Get rid of that three-point shot. He's not a good three-point shooter. And even that mid-range, it's, it's it's a little bit dicey, but if he can use his speed and athleticism to get good high-percentage looks, he becomes such a more effective player. And so that's what he needs to be against OKC if he, if he comes back in this series. Like, don't just settle for those three-pointers in, you know, early into the shot clock where, he, you know, he just... Um, it drives you crazy sometimes watching him because it's like you just don't need that shot. You're not a good three-point shooter and, you t- you know, your team doesn't need it. And the other team will live with that because even if you hit one or two of them, they know you're going to miss, you know, six or seven of them and get easy transition baskets. So he he, he has uh, some incredible skills and strengths and he needs to try to – uh, capitalize on those rather than uh, getting caught into sort of like a pissing contest with with an opponent on the other team because uh, you know as we say that that's backfired on him in the past. So I, the the concern I have though is this quad injury that the Rockets have announced and they haven't even sort of given it a real um, date for when he'll be back, which tells me it's probably worse than what they're letting on right now because they're saying, you know, originally it was like you'll miss the first game and now it's like the first couple of games and uh, you know. To me, that says that it's probably uh, it's probably more significant. It's one of those injuries as well. If you're not 100% over it, you know, and you come back and start running on it, you could easily do more damage and be out for the series. So, I uh, I hope we see him because it's always better to have a series where both teams are at um, you know full strength as much as possible. But um, I have a feeling we we might not see Russell, which would be you know disappointing because of course going up against Chris Paul and going up against the Thunder would be uh, would be a great storyline and. Um, you know, I think it would be a fascinating series if everyone's uh, at full strength. It still should be a fun series, but um, you know, anytime one of the key pieces is missing, it just sort of feels like um, you maybe not getting the you know most accurate result out of the series. Yeah, especially just Russ against the Thunder, which like Russ was the Thunder for so long, yeah. and to yeah. have him on the other side, I mean, I don't. I don't think Sam Presti had any clue that this was even a possibility heading into this season that uh, not only that, but that the Thunder could possibly, depending on how things go today, have home court advantage, which obviously it means nothing, but still just the idea of that is just wild. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like the fact that we won't actually get to see Russell in OKC, you know, that, 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 that just takes a little bit of the appeal out of it because you know, I mean, the fans there would be torn. I mean, you, you're you from OKC. I, I, I mm-hmm. think people were kind of accepting when he got traded. It wasn't like a Durant thing where he kind of, like, people turned on him. I think it was more like people sort of accepted that, like, you know what, Russ, it's fine for you to move on. I mean, you know, th- there's a different feeling, I think, between the way he left and Kevin Durant left. But then 
you know, come playoff time. I mean, imagine imagine a game seven, let's say it was in OKC and, you know, Westbrook has uh, 35 or 40 points for the other team. I mean, I don't know how the fans would react if they'd love that or sort of there'd be some appreciation for it or they'd just turn on him as well. I, 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 who knows? But um, one thing about Westbrook, he's one of those players. No one has no opinion on Westbrook. It's like right. you either love him or hate him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people, you know, fans, we're, everyone's fickle. Like, you love a guy when he plays for your team, but if he leaves, people can pretty quickly turn that into, you know, hate. But, um, yeah, he. the one thing you can't say about Westbrook, though, is, is that he's not competitive and passionate. It's just uh, oh, yeah. those those qualities have also been his downfall because, yep. um, you know, that, that series, that series, remember, against the Jazz two years ago, you know, they won, I think they won uh, two games, uh, the Thunder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that, sec- that second win, they were down 26 points in the fourth quarter or some crazy comeback. Um, you know, that Westbrook was, that was Westbrook at his absolute best, where he was just that will to win and that desire just hauled his team to victory. But, um, you know, it was one of those things that that happens once every maybe 10 seasons in the NBA. Um, and it was great, but it, it really, the substance really wasn't there because it was just like it got to the point where they shouldn't have been in that big hole in the first place um and and you know westbrook dug him out but it wasn't going to last and uh and you know they ended up losing that series in six to the jazz yeah yeah i mean it's it's so intriguing to just be as a as a thunder fan be on the other side of it and i i really hope we get to see it i hope we get to see the the full matchup but that that remains to be seen uh Two quick questions. One, who are you picking for this series? Yeah, well, so um, I picked actually very early in this season. I I said on our show I would love to see this matchup because I think it would just be maybe the most exciting first-round matchup seeing, you know, James Harden and Chris Paul both have a reputation for kind of flaming out in the playoffs. So one of them is going to flame out or, you know, Maybe not flame out, but losing the first round again. And then, of course, Westbrook and OKC would be great. So that's what I thought. And and I was so impressed with the way Chris Paul played early on that I said, I think if the Thunder draw the Rockets, I think they could uh, upset them in the first round. So now it may not be an upset if technically the Thunder has home court advantage in this first round, <laughs> even though, as we discussed, it wouldn't, wouldn't count. So I'm going to stick with the prediction that I made you know, back then that I think the Thunder win this series. Uh, I think they win it in six games uh, because, again, it, Chris Paul, I think, has been just fantastic. And I don't think Houston has a really solid uh, option on defense for him. Um, you know, and, and Chris Paul, the way that he plays, he has multiple speeds throughout the game. You know, he's the opposite of Westbrook in that sense that, you know, sometimes he likes the half court set. Sometimes he likes to get out and run. And sometimes Chris Paul just he, he, he'll go and give you 15 points in a quarter himself. You know, I mean, I know in the fourth quarters of, of uh, games this season. I'm not sure how they fared in the bubble, actually, but I know the, uh, the Thunder had a very, very good record in um, fourth quarters, and Chris Paul was a big, big reason for that because, you know, he was able to get the shot or make the right pass and simply just make the right play. So I think he's going to control the tempo of this series. I think he understands that, uh, you know, he, he knows, especially him and James Harden, the way their relationship ended, he kind of knows how to get under James Harden's skin a little bit yep. and, uh, and, to, and to scout for him. So I think the Thunder win, I think they win it in six games. But uh, I also think we get, you know, James Harden 55 points game, probably two or three of those in the series, mm-hmm. um, you know, with or without Westbrook. But uh, I think that the Rockets simply have too many deficiencies and, and they need things to go right on offense and then they need 
on the defensive end, they need the Thunder to really um, go cold. And I just think there's enough weapons, enough guys who can go out there and score and create for themselves a little bit too much for the Rockets to handle. Uh, last question, maybe the most important one. And I'm not, I'm not sure that you'll have an answer for this, but what's <laughs> your favorite cereal? My favorite cereal? Wow. Yeah. Um, wow, that's, uh, that's an interesting one. I, um, you know, so I grew up in Australia, of course, and we, we didn't have cinnamon, uh, cinnamon Toast Crunch. So when I came to North America, when I lived in Toronto, I tried that uh, for the first time, and that was amazing. Yeah. It was incredible. <laughs> um, I don't eat cereal really these days anymore, but I remember for, for a good sort of 12 to 18 months there when I, when I lived in Toronto, I was just having like two or three bowls of, the, of that a day. So I think that's probably still if I had, you know, if someone said you, have, you can only have one uh, cereal for the rest of your life, I'd probably go with the Cinnamon Toast Crunch, I think. Well, you did it. You answer the question right. Congratulations. <laughs> Only oh, one so far you, that's gotten it right. So. Oh, wow. 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 What's my prize? Uh, that, that remains to be seen, Lee. Thanks for coming oh, on the right. show. We appreciate you so much. If you're, not li- if you're listening to my podcast and you're not listening to No Dunks, I'm, you are not doing podcasts right. So make sure that you're subscribed to No Dunks. Uh, listen to their stuff. It's it's the best sports podcast, in my opinion. I don't think that there's a challenger to that. So make sure that you're listening to them. And uh, thanks again, Lee. Yeah, anytime, Andrew. That was great fun. I uh, really enjoyed talking to you. <laughs>